Welcome back to Third Base Dugout episode 101. And the All-Star week has been completed, which started with the Futures game on Saturday, then the draft on Sunday, then the Home Run Derby Monday, and then completely finished with the All-Star game on Tuesday. I personally think that they did the All-Star game and all the festivities around it really well. Yes. But before we get into that, make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Third Base Dugout. Um, we have lots of content coming at you as soon as I finish editing this live BP, considering I've been procrastinating it for... Well, you are moving, moving and you're about to get married. So, like, yeah, you got you, valid, valid reasons. Yeah, we. It, I really do just have to finish it this week at some point. But... Um, Either way, uh, we also may or may not have some stuff coming up with a very well-known YouTube streamer. Thank you to Shelly for saying uh, that. His words not mine. He is a sh- YouTube shit poster. I like that. Um, you might be able like to put two and two together there if you're uh, well-versed in that community. But, yeah, we got some stuff coming up. It's going to be I like fun. It. I like it. Um, but, yeah, so go make sure you follow us on Twitter. Make sure you follow us or uh, subscribe to our YouTube as well, Dorman Sports. And then subsection third base dugout, where we will be posting that live BP between me and Mike that we talked about last week. But um, as soon as I decide to stop procrastinating it, because every time I open my computer, I look at it and I'm like, mm, this is going to take forever. And then I close my computer and I walk away. So <laughs> at some point, I will continue sitting down at my computer to do it. But in the meantime, you people will just have to keep guessing as to who won the battle. We also, I wish I filmed it when I was there. Actually, no, I don't because it would have been cool. Uh, I was boots on the ground at a draft party this weekend. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Talk, let's let's talk about that experience. So your guy got drafted 58th overall. To My guy, T Lock. He's the man. Soon to be future guest. We're working on it. He's been a little bit busy of late, you know, obviously being, you know, paid and whatnot, but it was in it was in Maryland. Over a mil. Cool. What you said? Got over a mil in signing bonus. Yeah, he okay. did. He did. It was uh he's rich now. Yeah, so he's cool. probably my richest friend, I would say, monetarily speaking. Yeah, probably. But so, so, so that means he just surpassed Brian. <laughs> Easy there, I say. <laughs> hey, Brian is rich in 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 life experience, you know. Yeah, that's cash. That's probably not, but yeah. you know, I I refrain from opening my bank account. <laughs> it's a scary sight. I know what you mean. Um, it was really cool though. I would say, like, like, even though it wasn't me getting drafted, I still felt nervous, which is weird. Like, I didn't think I would be – I thought I was going to go there, chill out, hang out, you know, not really – like, obviously care, but, like, my God, you know, it's, it's, it's his night. And then, like, his slot – like, his pick started coming closer and closer. I'm like, all right, here we go. Like, we're about to, we're about to get, you know, hype for the, for the kid. And then, you know, the, the, the pick came and went, and we were like, okay, it's coming up. And we just kept waiting and waiting and then finally got the call. It was actually funny because it popped up on the TV before he got a phone call or anything like that. So we knew he was going to Seattle before he got the call, before it was announced on TV. And the whole place just went nuts. Like, it was awesome. That's crazy. Nice. Like, what – what did he say that phone call was like? I mean, was it Jerry DePoto that called him directly? I'm going to be honest with you. It was like midnight, and I had a three-hour drive back. 
I just hugged him. By the way, for those of you that don't know, Shelly is on dial-up internet tonight. So um, he, he didn't put enough time on his AOL card. Yeah. <laughs> That's an old yeah. joke. Had <laughs> it fit. <laughs> Mike, Mike has embraced this whole role of being the old guy. Um, but Shelly is still frozen, Hell yeah. by don't. the way. As we, oh, here we go. Wait, he's coming back. Am I back? No, maybe, back. maybe not. He's back. Maybe back. Maybe I'm not back. better than ever, though. He's still jumping. Um no, I was just me moving around. Yeah, yeah. Dial-up <laughs> dial internet over here is is uh, stuck in 2004. Wait so. for him to get a notification that says, you got mail. Uh, well, it was cool. <laughs> 2004. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> You've got mail. Um, and he is once again stuck. In your man, kindergarten. Oh, Shelly. Shelly, Shelly, Shelly. What do you say about kindergarten? Like this reminds me of all of the, <laughs> the commercials where the you remember the Gronk and Tom Brady commercial where he was like, "Oh, just come back out of retirement." He was like, "This is what you really hear on a bad network." <laughs> that's that's this commercial playing out. I love it. I love it. Yeah, uh, Shelly Shelly is stuck <laughs> in two thousand four with his internet right now. So um, this is what happens when you don't pay college athletes; they can't afford good internet in their house. So, um, yeah, I mean, anyway, that's a cool experience, though, um, to kind of recap everything that happened with uh, Tyler Locklear, who may or may not have been promised to some listeners that he was potentially coming on this week. So, again, apologies for that. But um, he obviously is a VCU baseball guy. Shelly played with him. And he was drafted by another VCU baseball guy, Jerry Depoto, who is the general manager of the Mariners. So a pretty cool connection there. The VCU guy drafts the VCU guy. For those Richmond folks, um, that's that's a pretty cool thing. For those out-of-towners, I know you don't give a shit. So, so okay. but I will say that this was like the first time that I had been this locked in for a draft. And it was really just because of like the – six degrees of separation, you know, like knowing Shelly and Shelly knowing, you know, likely. It's cool when you, it's that, like cool when you actually care about it. Like, yeah. And you're like, you're starting to figure out like, like obviously you're going to hear names that you don't hear for probably another three years. And then, you know, you got people that you know that are going to get drafted, which I think is yeah. the cool part about this whole process. And yeah. He got, so likely got drafted one pick right before the Cardinals were coming up. And I didn't necessarily think that we would go after him per se, but it would have been fun to see what would have happened had he not went there. But uh, Seattle's got a, got another stud, you know, that's that's going into a, a pretty decent form system, you know, and they, they have a good way lately of churning out guys, at least prospects. So we'll see, you know, but like I said, this was the most locked in I've been for a draft. Like I'm following draft tracker, following picks, looking at players and, all that stuff. So it was, it was kind of cool. Um, and I, I like, I like the way they did it this year though. Like yeah. it felt like a real draft, not saying it that felt it, like a, felt it like, felt like it was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It treated finally about time. Like, and it, you know, it is kind of a crap shoot, like trying to get people to come out there to get picked kind of like, like, cause the NFL, the NBA, you kind of know who's going to be first day guys and who's not. And like MLB, you can have a situation where there was a guy I think that was that they brought in there. I think he ended up going late in the second round. Like obviously, he was still announced on TV and everything like that. 
he was probably projected. I think he was projected. The way, the way the league's draft is is different than in, anywhere else. It's a lot more value-based, but yeah, pretty cool. Jackson Holiday won, though. I don't know if I agree with that, but I don't yeah. want to be the – I don't want to be wrong, so I'm gonna hold my I'm gonna hold my breath on that. Um, yeah, I did want to talk about that, um, but also, uh, Shelly, you and I played golf with a guy who signed as an undrafted free agent. Another one, yeah, my with, buddy uh, Jack Masloff. Yeah, signed with my Tigers. Tigers. So that'll be cool. I'll have to ask him for some gear down the road now that I know him on a personal level from playing golf with him. What do you um, think? But of I old did Jack? play probably my worst round of golf, and I don't even know how long. So maybe he's bad luck for me. So maybe I don't want to hear. No, nah, it was it wasn't Jack. He was. I'll take the blame for that. We both played bad. We played horrible. <laughs> um, but yes, Jackson Holiday went one. Uh, Drew Jones went two to the Diamondbacks. Uh, three was Umaraka. That was a surprise. That was a big surprise. What do we think about that? I mean, obviously, I like great it. college numbers. He went tenth to the Mets um, last year. Went and played indie ball. Now this year. Um, he didn't even fall to that 10th spot to the Mets, not that they were going to take him, but um, the Rangers ended up taking him at three to reunite him with his former teammate, Jack Leiter. That's a pretty cool little story there. If they can both come up to the bigs and be cool, be good, it'd be a nice little uh, full circle journey for them to where they, um, they were college teammates and then drafted in the same organization in the top three picks and then um, moved up to the bigs and, and teammates once again, it'd be cool. I think it's yeah. a steal, honestly, because you're not going to – you're not. I'm assuming they made that pick, assuming they're not going to give him the full value of the slot. And the upside is ridiculous. Yeah, I know. I don't know if he's been signed yet. I haven't seen anything I, regarding it. I think he did, and I think he signed – no, I take that back. I take that back. It was a pick that they made later that they signed below slot so that they could actually pay Kumar Ooh. over slot. Ooh. So it was like they're – their plan worked out. And I, and I want to say that pitcher's name was uh, Brock Porter, who was like ranked yeah. pretty high, but he had a Vanderbilt commit. If I'm not mistaken, it was Vandy. Um, and they got him to sign away from that commitment, but he was like projected first round for a while, but he went fourth round. So they signed him below slot um, to be able to throw that money towards Kumar. Um, <clears throat> I will make a statement. I don't think it's that far-fetched that – Kumar will probably be the first person from this draft to make it to the big league. Like no. to me, you don't. Uh, to I think me, Ben Joyce will be the first. Ben Joyce, Ben Joyce, absolutely. I do think Kumar will be. He'll fast track though. I I do agree with that. I think ben he'll Joyce be. And I think um, Kevin Copps, maybe as well. Um, I can't remember. I saw his name on a prospect list. Maybe it was the Padres. Um. Or no, no, yeah, it was Kevin Copps. Yeah, was okay. So let me let me refrain. Let wait, me wait, rephrase wait. that. Kevin Copps came out. Was it last year? Last year, yeah. Wait, then who who did I see? Um, who was the guy from Mississippi State? It's not Sims. He didn't. He yeah. No, maybe I, I might I might have everything mixed up. So never mind. Okay. Never mind. So it's let, let ben me Joyce, re- though. Ben Joyce throwing one hundred four in the minor leagues is not okay. Last so one. let let me rephrase that. He'll be the first first round pick. Yes, to I make it that. to make it there. To me, that's more of a, a still a win now move by the Rangers because this guy's already gotten like you knew what he was coming out of college, but then he went and played indie ball. 
that gives him a little bit of a granted it's independent, but it still gives him a little bit of a professional feel. He performed. So exactly. Like, and you got guys that have come over recently, like that were signed during a free agent period, um, you know, during this offseason that had played indie ball, you know, and had, you know, at least performed decent enough, you know, to get major league deals. So I think that this will probably be a situation where he'll make a couple starts, you know, and unlike you know, some of those college guys, you know, he's been consistently playing for like the last few months, right? So it's like, hey, you know, it's a high upside play again. It's a win now move that you fast track him, you know, to the big. So I don't think that it's crazy to think that he'll be the first first rounder. And I would still probably say, you know, I will kind of double down on first first one out this draft to make it there. I can see the case for Ben Joyce. Um, but I think what the caution there would be Garrett Crochet, you know, yeah. he, he came right up and the similarities he, are startling between yeah. the two and not to say that he pitched bad, but it's okay. What do you do when one Oh three isn't located, right? Like, so where do these all speed pitches look like and how do those translate to guys putting a barrel on the ball? Um, so like that, I, I definitely think that between Kumar and Ben, they'll be like the first two up and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Kumar was up by September, you know, with them, especially if they get to a point where they're close in the chase or they're starting to close that gap in the wild card because Texas has been completely win now, which is why I think that they don't take a normal college pitcher or a high school guy at three. You know, and they can afford, I think they can afford to do even if Kumar ends up becoming a project, they can afford to do that with him because the upside is again is ridiculous. When he is when he's pitching at what we believe to be his best, you can't hit him. He's unhittable. And then you um, add Jack Leiter, who's still trying to figure it out in minor in the minors. He's young. I think he was like a uh, a young draft eligible junior. I think I want to say I, I would need to go back and look. Like he's had his his ups and downs, but he seems to be figuring it out a little bit. You get Kumar uh, with him. You've got you've got the potential for a a, a Maddox Glavin Smoltz type feel to the Rangers right now. Yeah, more so Glavin and Smoltz because they can't they came up together. But yeah, just um just something to note. Uh, Kumar Rocker did not even crack the Rangers top thirty prospects list for the draft. Um, now I don't know if his name is just not added here. But I went over to the draft section, and he was listed at number thirty-eight for the draft. So I don't know if that has anything to do with him not. I think I think it, he it was so. In fact, he wasn't signed. Like he's not signed yet, so he technically can't put you. Well, yeah. they they put um, they put um, J is it Jace Young, uh, the Tigers fair, fair. Uh, prospect, yeah. immediately after the draft, and as well as uh, Tamar Johnson, uh, the yes. third, the number that guy that kid's gonna be pick. good. Yeah, that kid is going to be very good. To the Pirates was immediately, I believe, like their number three prospect or number two prospect or something like that. I think the uh, guy at the draft, though, that we're not talking about right now, but we should be talking about is going to be Elijah Green because this kid's pop is unreal. Yeah, um, and unreal. we'll talk about later in the episode. I mean, with Juan Soto potentially being out of Washington, it could be Elijah Green City at this point. Yeah. But another little cool nugget from this draft, though, was that this was the first time in draft history that two former Major League players' sons were drafted one and two. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah, with Jackson Holiday. It was like a Jones. trend. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, 
everyone's seeing the uh, the the former big leaguers kids coming up to the big leagues and, and immediately who's that top three Kumar Rockers John Rockers son is he really no I'm I'm kid you not I did not know that yeah no you're lying there's John no Rocker I'm just gonna ignore that because that is not that's not right at all. Yeah, me being the old guy, you definitely could have pulled that one over on me. But I was I'm pretty like, sure John Rocker. John Rocker is white, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, but Kumar, you know, I mean, he's he's now, definitely um, definitely yeah, dark skin. First two, um, yeah. and it was really bad because even a, a guy on the broadcast of the MLB draft even brought that up, and I I had to use it at some point, but like. Someone actually said that on the MLB the draft, like MLB draft bro, uh, broadcast. Well, and, and, and the thing is, John Rocker's son just making a joke, and I'm like, I don't think you can do that on national TV. Mm. No, because people will a, believe you history. and b tear you apart because they won't know if you're joking or not. But he is from Georgia, so like you had me thinking for a second, I'm like that cannot be right. That is yeah. not right. But no. Drew Jones, I'm high on him. Everybody's high on him. I mean, the, the kids. He got pretty much all of his dad's baseball ability. Yeah. And then um, so. Like, these kids are, like, the like the kids of a lot of pro athletes. I mean, Elijah Green, uh, his father Lost played in the, tight end for, in the NFL. Um, it, it's it's crazy. He was a pro bowler, too, I want to say. Yeah. yeah. Then you yeah. got Justin Crawford, who's called Crawford's son, also yeah. won first round. Yeah. Um, he, uh, I think he ran, like, a 5, 8, 9, 60. Which is just nuts. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. He ran a sub 660. I don't think I've ever seen that before. It, it had literally never been done until until Carl Crawford's kid did it at the PG uh, showcase. Oh, my gracious. Yeah. The kid's, got, the kid's got elite speed. I think he was like the only like 70 grade tool that I saw. Okay, then. Um, well, this was the prep draft. The, the I think the complete winner of the draft, though, is going to be Arizona down the road. Um, Arizona's farm system now is just going to be stupid. Um, if you look at it just up and down, I mean, they have Corbin Carroll, who is their top prospect um, right now. Jordan Lawler, who they got last season in the first round, as their number two prospect. Um, Drew Jones is not on the prospect list, so that might back up the Kumar Rocker claim, um, Mike, that you made. So Drew Jones is also out there. That's another outfielder. Then they've got four straight pitchers in Blake Walson, Ryan Nelson, Dre Jameson, and Bryce Jarvis from Duke, if you remember him throwing, uh, actually, I believe, against Kumar Rocker in the, um, in the Super Regionals when Kumar Rocker threw his no-hitter against Duke. Um, but I mean the out the coming outfield for the Diamondbacks with Alec Thomas currently in the bigs as a young stud, they are going to be just sick out there. Yeah. They're gonna oh, be sick. You know, ooh, this one Michael like a prospect. I, I thought the best one of the best picks of the draft the Cardinals made oh, was I uh, gonna talk about my projected Tigers pick that I made. Oh, that was. No, I was going to get to that. I was going to get to that one. <laughs> Grand of the Tigers. That was that was pretty cool. And you got Jack Maslow on top of that. Sorry, go ahead about the Cardinals. But uh, Connor, Connor, I can't even say his last name. Jerpy. Jerpy. Yeah. Oh my goodness, is he good? 
Yeah. And oh my goodness, is he going to make your team so much better? Mike? A little low slot lefty. <laughs> he throws yeah. buzz from like literally, what is it, three o'clock? Yeah. Yeah. Low no. mid 90s, low mid 90s. But uh, awesome. Banger of a slider. Yeah. He's he was a starter for, uh, quite a bit at Oregon State. He might he might start in pro ball. I don't, I don't think he will. that arm slot though. If they can develop some velocity on the kid, throw him one to two innings. I mean, he basically just became your Josh Hader. <laughs> You're exactly I, right. I will take it. That's your I brand new it. Andrew Miller. Andrew so, Miller goes so far downhill that you can use that that low three quarter arm slot again. That's just gonna wipe a slider across your face and throw ninety seven. Across his body. How fired up were you when we told you that he was a good pick? I was pretty hype. Like, I, I went back and looked him up some more, and I was like, okay, I can see this working. Um, <laughs> He's gross. The, the crazy part was, like I said, as much as I was locked in for the draft, it was sort of like, eh, okay, for the Cardinals. <laughs> like, not that I didn't have faith in, like, what we were doing, but I knew our plan was always going to be, like, college pitchers will take a couple position players, you know, prep guys. But, you know, I was like, okay, you know, but we have the Cardinals have a great history of college pitchers, getting them, you know, on track and getting them to the bigs and they're productive there. Um, And it doesn't take long for most of them to make it there. Um, So when you told me I was confident it was a good pick and I seen him and I was like, okay, I I can see this working. Um, Although I don't think I've ever felt anybody's excitement so much through a text than I did Brian's when the Tigers drafted Peyton Graham. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Even though he had it in all caps, it was like I could hear his voice yelling it, you know, through this. It was the fact fact that he was just like, he's going to be a tiger. He literally spoke into existence. Um, Yeah, so I was playing – I was playing MLB The Show, but I was in a party chat with with one of my buddies who's also a Tigers fan. Um, And I'm sitting there watching the draft just – I mean, it's on my laptop next to me because, I, I mean, I kind of stopped paying attention after the first round. I was like, I was hoping Locklear would go in the first round so I could see it. And then when he didn't go, I was like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and play him with the show, just have it on the laptop, whatever. I saw, oh, the Tigers are up. Sweet. And it said, pick us in. I'm like, all right, cool. I think we're, we're going to go another middle infielder. I hope. It'd be cool. I didn't even know Peyton Graham was still on the board. And it shows up. It's like. With the whatever pick of the 2022 MLB draft, the Tigers select Peyton Graham from the University of Oklahoma. I'm like, no fucking way. <laughs> I was like, I called it. <laughs> and my buddy goes, who's Peyton Graham? I was like, I promise you he's going to be the best shortstop in the history of the, to- of the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> First thing he should There's do no with chance, his $2 million dollar signing bonus that he gets is go get some mass gainer because he needs it. When he gets up to the bigs, just because I called him going to the Tigers, I'm going to go to Jersey. I don't care if he's a bust or not. He's probably yeah. not going to be. I hope not. I mean, he's like six foot 20 and 112 pounds. So, and he hit 20 nukes at 170 pounds. And I think he's lying about how much he weighs. I think he weighs like a buck 50. And he's a winner. He went to the College World Series. He's a winner. That he is. Good pedigree. Yep. That's good. Yep. Pedigree. I, I like guys who win. Speaking Chase of shortstops, Ace Young, part of a great program. Last draft was also a winner. We get winners. You guys do. We get winners at in the draft, and then when they get to the pro. Uh, speaking of shortstop, last draft thing. Oh boy, the Red Sox have a shortstop problem. Oh, this is so bad. Hold on, let me see if I can bring up the Red Sox draft picks. They literally drafted four straight shortstops, dating back to like last year, though. So they drafted in the first. This is the high and bloom era. In the first high and 
first three high and bloom drafts, every single first pick has been a shortstop. Yeah. So and- with Nick York, Marcelio Mayer, and I can't remember who he drafted this year, but I remember this being year, This year you got Mikey Romero with 24th pick, a high school kid. And then, which this guy's got a cool name, so I will say, like, pretty awesome. But Cutter Coffee in the second round. Yep, shortstop. First pick, another shortstop. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. How many times honest, are you going to try to play Xander Bogarts? It's, I, I don't think it's that. I think this is high in bloom, big brain. Because this is – trust me, I thought about it for a week. I'm like, why do we keep – with these number one picks, Pause, you stops. are about you are about a week away from being at the Tigers level of baseball. So I don't know if big brain is the used to, is the word to use with the Red Sox front office at the moment. Well, it's not. I mean, he has done a good job. You can't deny it. Like he's been doing pretty over good. the course of time. Yes, but like right now. Yeah, but yeah, but this is the trap. We're talking three years down the road. He's. I. I, I would assume that he's getting all these short subs to make them into other positions, right? It has to. They have to just be versatile players that they're like. like it's, this like is it's, the old school baseball mindset flipped with a new school where you get these super athletic kids who play shortstop in high school or college, and you're like, yeah, you're not actually going to be a real shortstop. You just say that you're a shortstop, and then we're going to put you in the outfield, or we're going to put you at third base, or we're going to put you at second. But yeah, we got a shortstop problem. I think we got like 50 of them in the in the in the, in the pipeline right now. Draft was cool. I hear you. Cool. I hear you. Um, so normally, and I, I will gather this as I look through some of the best names, but normally for our hockey podcast, because it is such a um, such a strange name sport, I usually try to do the, the top five names of the draft. Um, like this year, this year the um, there was a kid, a kid in the NHL draft. His last name was Dick, and it was like Rick. It was it was like uh, or like it was like Ryan Dick or something like that. It was just hilarious. Um, but yeah, I, I will try to find some some um, great names out of this draft, and uh, I'll come up with a top five because you can't you can't just watch a draft and not not see some insane names out there. Uh, there's there's some good names. Jerpy's, Jerpy's definitely going to be up there, though. Jerpy, Jerpy is definitely going to be up there. Yeah, I had to wait to hear. Uh, Ivan Melendez might make the list just for Hispanic Titanic. True. But I had to wait for to hear, like, our announcers say the, say his last name. Because, yeah, Jerpy wasn't the first name that came to mind. So I was just like, how does this work? <laughs> like, Somebody's well, going to say it, too. That's the worst part. Right. We're all thinking it. it. We are. Um, Do you have the uh, trivia answer from last week? Oh, yes. And I need to find another trivia. All right. I will do that here. Gosh, my brain is all Um, So the answer to that trivia question, one second, I believe I took a picture of it. You were speaking about while you're doing that, what you were talking about the – Oh, maybe I didn't take a picture of it. Talking about the D-backs, um, D-backs farm system, they also got Ivan Melendez. Yeah. Yeah, he, it's insane. He's a sneaky, might make the bigs quick guy. I don't know if they're ready to win in that aspect. I think he could, though. I think his bat's his bat. He'll be in the home run derby in a couple of years, though, I'll tell you. Dude, he'll be electric. Speaking of home run derbies, while we're there, 
Yeah, yeah. Let's just go into that. Let's go into it. So, uh, Albert Pujols has some controversy with his uh, his first round win. Yeah, the buzzer but definitely went off before. This was a weird derby, I would say. The yeah, so if this was the only part of the weekend where I was very much just meh. It just it was very underwhelming outside of Julio Rodriguez lighting it up. Yeah, I think he kind of this was this was sort of his coming out as like his national coming out party. Like I am here to to be a star, yeah. and I am going to be the face of this 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 up and coming Mariner. Him and don't forget about Kyle Lewis too. He's still out there too. Like I think they're you know they're building something big out there. Obviously, my boy Locke when he gets up there as well, he'll he'll be part of that. But yeah. other than that, it was very meh. Like Kyle Schwarber had a piss poor performance. Pete Alonso deadlifting before it was the cringiest thing I've ever seen to turn around and just lose. Like, yeah, ah man. And then Corey Seager laid an egg. It's just a rough derby, but. The bright spot was pool holes because it was fun to see him at least, you know, make it to the second round when everyone was just thinking he wasn't, you know, yep. Yep. he had believers. Mike and I were, Mike and I were riding yeah. that wave. I, I called that one. I, I, I called him. Over it too. So granted, I did say he was going to win it, but I did at least call him knocking off Schwarber. Um, hey, I was with you on that. I was yeah. with you on that. He was, so. I was there with him when but yeah. he was with you on that. I was going nuts too. Cause they, at, they definitely, like the, definitely, like the pitcher hadn't even started his motion to home plate when the buzzer went off. They're yeah. like, ah, he's and then Albert Schwarber had one taken off the board, but I didn't care. Albert won. And then, I mean, in the swing off, too, he dominated it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's insane. Absolutely insane. Uh, you guys want the – real quick before we get into the rest of this, do we, do we want the trivia answer? Yes. Yeah. All right. So, the trivia question was, the last time two winning streaks of 10-plus games overlapped was in 2017. Which teams got hot together? Or which two teams was it? The Guardians were one, then Indians. Um, that was 22 straight. That's the longest in MLB history. That was from August 24th to September 14th. And the other one, congratulations to Ch Taylor Chitwood, who I currently work with, but um, he uh, got this right. He actually, I believe, texted it to me, um, uh, his answer. And uh, it was the Arizona Diamondbacks, 13 straight from August 24th to September 6th. I remember that because they went all in on that because they thought they were actually a good team. Yeah. Yeah, it set them back a little bit. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Man. Yep. All right, we're going to get one of these right ones. I was, I was close, though. I was in the same division. I was in the same division where my answer just clearly wasn't right, but I was in the same division. So I'm heating up on these trivia questions. Um, um, I can't say that. All right. But to but the coolest moment for me in the derby though was um after Pujols is like after they thought his round was done when all of the players went by and like huddled up around him and kind of gave him like that you know players moment you know and then hearing the announcers or like the side reporter and they were like that it wasn't planned it just happened you know, for a legend like that to be celebrated in that way. Like, that was a cool thing. Yes, I'm saying it because I'm a Pujols fan. But more importantly, as a baseball fan, it was cool to see that moment, you know, where they all just kind of huddled around him and gave him, you know, so much respect, you know, for what he's done for the game. Um, 
and Manny Machado, though he's kind of rubbed me wrong at, at different points, you know, he's been like the biggest supporter of Pujols being able to get a farewell tour, tour, you know, and them and fans and stuff showing their appreciation, you know, so it was cool to see it all kind of come together at the All-Star game. Yeah, I want to talk about potentially potentially changing the format of the Home Run Derby here in a second, but um, can we do trivia really quick just to knock this out? Absolutely. I've got like four trivia questions. Because I, I keep scrolling down my list, and I've just found a lot that are interesting. All right, so I, the first few, I will let you know which one will be um, – um actually the first three i will give you the answer to and the fourth one i will leave to the public all right all right this one might be rather easy it's very well known names uh who are the four yankees players to hit 30 or more home runs before the all-star break all right aaron judge first one yep alex Rodriguez, second one yes roger Maris. yep babe ruth all right, and congrats. Y'all got on the first four guesses. That's actually very impressive. Um, I would have thought that you guys would have said, like, Reggie Jackson was in there somewhere. Come on, man. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Um, I, they were actually pretty easy. I just didn't think you guys would get A-Rod. Um, he must think we're stupid or something. Well, no, A-Rod is one of those where you're like, yeah, he had a lot of power numbers, but, like, hitting 30 before the All-Star break is a lot. Yeah. He was a beast, though, like, especially, like, Early on in his tenure in New York, that man mashed. Yeah, yeah. All right. Clayton Kershaw is the second Dodgers pitcher to start the, start an all-star game in their home park. Who was the first? You said it was another Dodger? Yes. Uh, Fernando Valenzuela. Nope. Really? He didn't – well, I think he started all-star game. This might not have been in. Yep, it had to be – it has to be in Dodger Stadium. Okay, so it's, it hasn't been in Dodger Stadium a ton, right? So Sandy Kopax uh, would nope. be the first one. The last time was like the 80s, which is why I went with Valenzuela uh, or Hoshardzer. Nope. Don Sutton. Nope. Don Drysdale. Congrats. Don Drysdale, <laughs> it was one of them Dons. Yep, well, sorry. <laughs> You're kidding me. I, I, I do actually apologize. Uh, it was not at Dodger Stadium. It was at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. Oh, come on. We would have gotten that if you said that. Right. You know, we all would have known that. Let's keep these information you left out. That was the 1959 All-Star game. That actually would have helped because Don Drosdale, pitcher of the 50s. Yep. All right. You set us up to fail there, Brian. I did. I'm sorry. Yeah, man, we got the first one right on the first four guesses, so. Yeah, I had to trick you on the second one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you had to cook the books a little bit on that one. Pitch the Dodger right. Stadium that was actually uh, the Coliseum. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the third one. Jose Ramirez had his second multi-hit All-Star game last night, or I guess that was Monday night. Uh, or excuse me, Tuesday night. Who holds the all-time record for multi-hit All-Star games? Pete Rose. No. Derek Jeter. No. Joe Morgan. Cal Ripken. That was a shot in the dark. Ichiro Suzuki. Really? Hmm. Oh, beating around the bush of a lot of very well-known names. Like it's a very well-known name. Well, I think we're. I think we're. I mean, on the, well, it, it kind of has to be considering he's played in a lot Williams. of all-star games. Man, you're, you're, you're kind of floating around the air, though. 
between right, so, it, it, between Joe Morgan and and Ted Williams, you're kind of floating around the air. Uh, that only leaves about ten thousand other players. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Ah, um, oh, gosh. All right. Can we use a lifeline here? No. What? Like you need a hint? Yeah. Uh, we'll start with a very broad hint national league okay sorry i froze for a second there um johnny bench nope i guess that would be before or in between they who have you guessed so far because i just i just cut back out Uh, the only one that he has guessed since you get froze was johnny bench carl yastrzemski can we get uh can you narrow it down to a decade? Let me let me go to his all-star games really quick. So if he's in between if he's oh, in between I, Ted Williams he, and Joe Morgan, that okay. is not a big window. So he made the all-star game in these consecutive years, 1954 to 1972. Stan Musial? Nope. Uh, Stan the man played a little earlier. I'm about really good hitters that – Leaving out – Roberto Clemente. Probably, in my opinion – Roberto Clemente. A top three hitter of all time. It's Roberto no. Clemente. Yep. Well, no, he would have been after the 70s because they had color TV then. Um, he, oh, no, he died in 71. Yeah. Uh, 54 to 72. Jackie Robinson? No. no. All right, I'm all guessed out. I'm not done yet. I think I, I know it. I know it. Oh. American League or National League? Uh, they are currently in the National League. I do not believe in that era, though. I, I don't know exactly what. Willie Mays. We, yes. <laughs> it only took about 35 guesses. Yep, Willie Mays <laughs> with six multi-hit All-Star games. You know who I was going to say? Oh. Hank Aaron. Yeah. I didn't know if the Brooklyn or if the New York Giants were – in the American League or National League at the time, so now I'm, I was like, uh, like currently in the National League, but National League, they were National League team. Yeah, I, I, I don't know like what the what the leagues were at that point. It's funny though because New York has had four teams play there over the entirety of having professional baseball. Three of them have been National League teams. Brooklyn, One of them New York, New York, League. New York. Yeah, Brooklyn, and three New York teams. Yeah, they've Thanks. had four total. Technically five, you want to count the Buffalo Blue Jays from 2020. (laughs) I was talking more so the city, but. Yeah, true, true, yeah. Um, All right. Are you ready for the the question? Uh, Yeah, so this this will go to the public. Okay. So I'll start typing my answer into the group chat. Prior to Kumar Rocker. Who was the last player taken in the top 10 of two different drafts? I know the answer to this. 
I'll let you know if you are right. Text it to me individually and I will let you know if you're right because I don't want Mike to see your guess if you're correct. In the top 10? Yes, has to be the top 10 of two different drafts. It was the last person to do it. So not the only other or anything like that. Is the last person to do it before Kumar Rocker. Mike, you're correct. Nailed it. First guess. Shelly, you're correct. <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> Let's go. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Three out of four. Got it right, but we will leave it out to the public, and then we will share that next week's episode, which is my last episode before I get married, and I will not be on that podcast for two straight weeks after that. So, so it's going to be like a bachelor party of a show. Yes, (laughs) a lot of virtual celebration. There might be booze involved, (laughs) Um, but yeah. So you guys got it right. Congratulations. I enjoy this. I, I enjoy this trivia because I just I learn more than you guys do. I mean, I look all I look up all this stuff and I'm like, oh my god, it's crazy. Um, Mike and I, Mike and I start like, you could be like, what is hitting, or like, what is the what is the uh, act of, of of striking a baseball? And, and Mike and I will just sit there and be like, uh, and start like being like like bunting, <laughs> hit and run, slash, <laughs> overthink oh, it. Every time, and it's always completely, yeah. Um, but back to the home run derby. Um, by the way, for those of you that want to play along with trivia, go, I will post it to our third base dugout Twitter tomorrow afternoon. So when you um see that tweet, comment under it your guess to the um to the trivia question and give the years and draft picks. That might add a little twist to it. Um, yeah, if you, you guys, don't, that, you guys don't have to since you both got Yeah, that's how I definitely would have screwed the but pooch on that. might one. add a little twist to it. It'd be cool. Um, but, yeah, to the home run derby, though. I think they need to change the format. Because this year, I think, just personally, I thought it was very boring, per se. Like, there wasn't a whole lot of, like, oh, my gosh, other than Julio Rodriguez in 32 in the first round. Um, I thought that was really cool, but that also leads me into my reasoning for wanting the layout changed. I think they should can keep the timed rounds, but knock it down to two minutes or two and a half instead of three. You can still do the bonus time if you want to. Um, but instead of these like rivalries that they create with the bracket, I think they should just have the top four advance and then the top two advance, and then they have the winner. Like, could you imagine being Corey Seager after Julio Rodriguez put up 32 home runs in the first round? Like, w- w- you step up to the plate, you know you've lost. We just hit 33. But, like, how rare is that? That's fair. I Josh feel like Hamilton got to take 45 pitches and still only hit 33. Hot take. Bring back the 10 outs. I think, it'd be, I mean, sure, but like, I Bring just don't back. like these. They're, they're trying to create rivalries out of something that it's not. And I think if you want to guess the best home run hitter, take the top home run hitters from each round and continue them moving on. That way you don't feel like you are completely done after someone hits a home run on every single swing in the first round. 
I wouldn't mind that. I can see that. But again, because I'm always having to be the other side of reason. Um, like he had like a historic round. So no matter what, exactly, but like you're done, like Corey Seager's done. Yeah, but no matter how you shake that, there's, you're not going to beat that. Right. So like, yeah, you can say, Oh, it sucks. Like Seager still hit 25 or whatever it was. Like, I don't know his exact number, but he hit that and he probably hit more than a couple other guys, you know, and still didn't get to move on. I think that's part of the fun though. Like yeah, that, nah, that yeah, pressure think- cooker, that pressure cooker this there you know, being able to go. Now I will say what one thing I will adjust with you on that though, slight modification, still do the brackets, but then have them reseeded after their first round. I would agree with that as well. And I think so, they do it. I think it's also because a lot of what the way they do these things is driven by the, by the way we consume it. And a lot of that is, is through gambling. I think it makes it easier to gamble on it in the sense that, Instead of just picking the overall winner, you can go by matchups. Matchups, yeah. It's way easier to do it like that. But I would say, like I said, still have the bracket, you know, format, but reseeded after the first round. So even if okay, so who the came in as like what a number four seed, you know, after that first round, he would jump to one and then have to go against probably at that point it would have been Pujols. Yep. You know, as the number four seed, because he um, won his matchup and had the lowest no, over total. Been one, it would have been Juan Soto. Juan Soto? Okay. So, again, now you got some stuff that's kind of matching up on the fly. And then even when you go back to the gambling part, Shelly, a lot of it is still being done um, either mobile or online. Like, yeah. it's like old school betting where you're actually having to be there, like, talking to, talking to the people. You know, so being able to place your bets – you know, really wouldn't be that difficult. It wouldn't take away from that aspect of it. Like I said, I, I can see like a reseeding of it, you know, and then kind of going from there. So think about the matchup you get. If a guy's number one, he wins his round, but he had the lowest home run total. Now he's having to fight uphill, you know. So what that also cuts out, my bad. And Brian, I don't mean to hijack your idea. Okay. Just got to go no, with it. You're good. I like I like contrary opinion. Yeah. Contrasting opinion. <laughs> Now what happens is, is that those hitters, like, so just flesh all the way out. Like when Pete Alonzo went second in the first round, he knew a number he had to get to. And once he got there, then it was like, all right, shut it down. Right. Mm-hmm. He probably still had 45 seconds left. You eliminate that like walk off perspective of it, at least for those first few rounds, that one doesn't matter until, the final round because guys are still going to try to hit as many as they can because they now know, yes, I've won my matchup, but I also want to get a higher seed for the next round, you know, so they, they'll keep swinging, you know, throughout those three minutes instead of it being, oh, I got my number. All right, boom, I'm done. You know, they'll, they'll keep going and, and add no numbers. Now, given um, the fact that people were going twice and they didn't have to hit as many home runs, take this with a grain of salt, but Corey Seager hit the second most home runs in the first round. Only to the guy he faced. And he hit eight less home runs than him. And Corey Seager had a heck of a round. It's just the luck of the draw there. It yeah. is. It's It sucks. And that's like that's why I'm like, okay, you were the second best home run hitter of the first round with this format, per se. Just by total home runs. 
but you have nothing to show for it because the guy that you faced was the best. And that, I mean, that sucks because I think that's more of a game format. Like if it's a one and done like game format, then like, sure. The other team was just the best team that day, like sure, whatever. But like in a home run derby, the more home runs, the better. So I don't, I feel like people, one should not be cut off from rounds. I don't like, I think there should be a reason to finish your time instead of being cut off at a certain amount of home runs because the person that you faced didn't hit that many. Because the more home runs, the better. Everyone wants to see more home runs. Why not? That's why I think you should bring back the 10 outs. Like, could you imagine though, if, I mean, say in, in the first round, I mean, Jose Ramirez hit 17 home runs. Juan Soto didn't have a great first round, but like, could you imagine if he beat that in the first like couple minutes and he had a chance to break the like all time record, but he got cut down, like he got cut off because Jose Ramirez only had 17. Like, I think that it's going to, no matter what, take away from these theatrics that you want to get from the home run derby, like the, like the Josh Hamilton, just hitting every single ball out. It felt like at Yankee stadium that year. Um, and then losing to Justin Morneau because Justin Morneau beat him in the champ because he ran out of gas and Justin Morneau beat him in the final round. Um, or like, which the ones that I like it was when Vlad Jr. and was it Jock Peterson, I think, were in the semifinal of that one. And they both hit like almost 30 home runs. It was sick. That was a dope. more home runs, the better. It's like, I, I, I don't think it should be cut off. And I think if you, the more home runs you hit, the more you should be rewarded. Yeah, I get it. Like I think that there's a happy medium there for what we were looking at. You know, I not completely doing away with the brackets, but then also not doing away with the time aspect of, oh, I've already beat my guy. Yeah. You know, I think that, again, I think the sweet spot that we kind of find there is like that reseeding for the second round because it gets exactly what you want of, you know, guys continuing to swing. They're going to hit more homers because they got more time. And then they go into the next one. So you're still rewarded if you win your matchup, you know, but now you're rewarded for hitting more um, because you still maintain that number one seed. And it's not like, oh, well, I got to go against somebody that didn't do as well. So I I think we're on to something, you know, maybe yeah. maybe Rob would give us a call after listening to, maybe to so. this episode. Maybe so. Yeah. Um, the All-Star game, though, I thought the All-Star game was awesome. Apparently, viewership did not. So it was down about 6%, I believe, in viewership, which is unfortunate. But um, I had a couple of people texting me during the All-Star game saying that I don't really watch baseball, but I decided to watch the All-Star game tonight. And now I want to watch baseball more because of the way that they did it. I, I think this was the perfect format um, in terms of you get the storylines of of Albert and Miggy getting their at-bats, which is really cool. And we'll get to Miggy's at-bat in a second. I have, I have, a, I have a bone to pick with Fox. Um, and then um, you have guys like Ryan Helsley and Emmanuel Classe just chucking 102, 103. I mean, Ryan Helsley's out there throwing fuzz and then just drops a hammer on Luis Arias. Like the poor guy. And given Luis Arias being who he is, still somehow I got a hit. But um, – Emmanuel Classe shutting the door with three three straight punches, throwing cutters, just moving fifteen inches at hundred miles. He does video game pitches. It, it really is like, and my dad, my dad uh, texts me and goes, 
I thought it would be more high scoring. I'm like, dad, every reliever's throwing 102. I was like, how you can't hit that. I was like, all the runs were scored off the starters that were throwing 95. Oh, yeah. No. And then, like, even the guys that are quote unquote slow throwers still have like the nastiest stuff. Exactly. That's why they're in the All Star game. And, and so, then, I mean, but you did have you did have some long balls. Before I talk about the Stantonian blast, can we talk about Byron Buxton hitting a nuke on a ball that was like at his eyes? Just turned on it. Dude's unbelievable. Dude he needs to stay athlete. healthy more because when he is healthy, he is so much fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. But um, the one that preceded that was John Carlos Stans that went, I, I think it was 450. I think it was. And apparently went, it, another storyline, went to this, like roughly to the section that his dad used to bring him to the Dodgers games too. Like that, cool. like in that area. I didn't, know, I didn't hear that. That's cool. Yeah. But I, th- not to bury the lead, but the mic'd up players this, this go around was so much fun, especially when they had uh, uh, Trevino and Cortez mic'd up. Mm hmm. I that was so cool. Yeah, that's when I had people text me. That's when I had people text me about watching baseball. It was like when that was going on, they were like, This is so cool hearing like the pitchers and catchers talking to each other. And like, even as a person who I mean, I pitched Shelly, you caught Mm -hmm. like we've all played baseball here, we all know baseball here, but listening to those two guys talk back and forth about pitches, like. Do you want this up and in? No, I want to change or like a cutter away or something like that. Like them talking back and forth and them and them asking Trevino, what are you looking at in a batter with each pitch? And then he goes on to say, yeah, you're looking at the swing. You're learning something from every pitch. You're looking at where he stands in the box and all this stuff. Like it's all just mind blowing that they simplify it just as much as we tried to. But they're just so naturally gifted at the sport that they do it so well when they simplify it and just hearing those two guys actually break down the art of pitching and catching is unbelievable so cool. I love Trevino I mean after Nestor would hit a spot and Trevino catches and he's like that's a good spot that's a good spot like that's so cool to me like just hearing those two I mean those, those guys are big league guys they could be like yeah whatever like just toss it back but no like they're I mean they're pumping each other up I mean giving their teammates but like I don't know. I think it's. I think it's awesome. Awesome stuff. It was so cool. Yeah. I. 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 It's something that like. I feel like. Whenever I was calling a game, it felt like I was having that conversation without ever speaking to the pitcher, mm-hmm. and to actually have it play out in front of me, like I assumed that it would happen in real life, or excuse me, not real life, but like when I'm back there doing it, was just it was mind blowing. It was fun. Yep. Yeah, I love the idea of, of miking up pitchers. Now, I don't think they would really ever do that in the regular season. Alex Manoa Unless, was pretty cool. To, Alex uh, Manoa was his. really, really cool, yeah. <laughs> he, um, was, he was fired up, though. and He still is, considering he's telling Red Sox pitchers tonight to sit the F down after yeah, striking yeah, out I mean, Franchi Cordero, I mean, who has struck yeah, out about you 57 year 55 plate appearances. But um, it, it's so beyond me, like – you got to pick and choose your battles with that. And, and I, we're not going to go down this rabbit hole. I just want to say something really quick, but um, like you got to pick and choose your battles with that. When you strike out Franchi Cordero, who I'm pretty sure has the highest strikeout rate in baseball right now, not that much of an accomplishment, Alec, like don't tell him to go sit the F down after he's struck out and sit and sat the F down about 50 other times in his last 60 plate appearances. 
I mean, when you it's it looked like it was more in response than him instigating it. Francie was just staring at him. Yeah, well, we don't know what came from the other dugout, but I mean, they were probably a little they were probably a little salty after the tail whooping they got. Oh, yeah. yeah the night before. But don't blame Sydney Sweeney. One. I don't know who she is, but it's her fault. <laughs> but the thing that I got nervous on for, because to be honest, I missed a lot of the All-Star game. I had a family situation come up and had to jump on the road and handle some stuff. But I got back for like the ninth inning and they had Liam Hendricks mic'd up and I was like, uh, do they yeah. not know that this guy cusses like every other word? So I was like, how is this going to go? You know, and like to his credit, he actually held his tongue. You know, he kept it tame. To, I'll give it. Yeah. You got to love the end though of Julio getting the fly ball and he didn't like faking throwing it into the stands. And like Liam is like, Julio. Julio! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's I so cool, that. man. Like those guys just having fun. I mean, they're all big league guys. They're all just trying to make a paycheck and, um, and I mean, you can play on rival teams, but those dudes are still just uh, just goofing off with one another. It's 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 cool. It really is. Just see that side of the game rather than just watching them play it. I I do want to see the one guy that takes it seriously because I know there was somebody there that was like, "I'm going to ball out. I don't care about like everyone out here having fun. I'm here to play." It definitely I, be Pete Alonso, right? That would definitely be. I think it was Pete Alonso. I mean, would have been that guy on Derby and everything. Like, I feel he, like he had to be that guy. He took it way too personally that he lost the home run derby. Yeah, I, I look. And you know what? Respect, because as 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 the the wise coach Kent Murphy once said, these guys aren't my friends; they're my opponents. Just because I'm on an all star team doesn't mean that we're friends. Fair. This is fair. But that man was a legend, Coach Kent Murphy. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Oh, it's okay. Pete, Pete's a big, strong guy. He could have put anybody in the hospital if he wanted to, but that is you know, true. He could have. He he chose he not enough to. home runs out. Yeah, but he could put somebody in the hospital, you know, because he's he's a big bad guy that took karate in third grade and you know couldn't hey. keep the first base coach from tackling him. But it's okay. Like hey. if you can't tell by now, I'm not a Pete he Alonso to, fan. He went to I, a couple uh, a couple birthday parties at the karate dojo. He knows. He knows. Yeah. Yeah, he watched. He watched Cobra Kai. Hey, great show! Just <laughs> strike first. Oh <laughs> um, John Kreese is his sensei. <laughs> John Carlos Stan was more of a uh, Miyagi Do guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, John Carlos Stan was the All Star Game MVP uh, after his two run blast. Well deserved. I mean, he yeah. absolutely yeah. mushed the baseball. Literally mushed it. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw the picture of it afterwards, where it that was, was like, crazy. It was like inverted. <laughs> he hits the ball so hard. I don't understand. Like he like cut out half the baseball when he swung. So really people are losing their minds over this, but I don't want to be like the rain on the parade guy. But that's what all of them look yeah, like. That's what it looked like. Yeah, because it's compressing physics. Yeah, physics. I remember that from physics class. I was a terrible science student, but I do remember that because we were talking about baseball. (laughs) Funny what sticks. Um, Any other notes from All Star Weekend? Oh, Um, happy American League won for the the tenth straight year. Was it? I think it was. Was The tenth straight year that American League won. Nine. Nine. Yeah. Yeah. Happy uh, belated hundredth birthday, Rachel Robinson. Yes. Um, all time. I missed that part of the All Star game, so I appreciate you bringing that up because I did not see that ceremony. Uh, she's all time, just all time 
life figure, like what she's done over over the course of her hundred years. I don't think I don't think a lot of people are ever going to be able to match her a hundred plus years on Earth. What she's like, what she's done for you know her family in America. Like, yeah. Wow. She's a baseball lifer. But uh, I want to say that my my grandpa either, I think, worked with her, with with Jackie and, and Rachel's daughter back in the day. Nothing but nothing but good things to say. I never got to meet my grandpa, so I only heard that through my dad. But, you know, the Robinson family, shockingly good people. I don't think it surprises anybody. But Good, friend, good friends of the Selden family. We like it. We like it. Yeah, we also uh, Dave Chappelle also uh, worked with my grandpa for a little bit. Good things about Dave Chappelle. A little yeah, less awesome, cool awesome than character. Jackie Robinson's family, but I'll I would try. argue cool in a different different aspect. Yes, some may even argue that that is a terrible thing because. Some and I would tell them that really they just need to get a better sense of humor. Yeah, correct. I do agree to that. I I watch a lot of Dave Chappelle. Um, but oh shoot, oh yes, um, tomorrow is a very big day in baseball, which um, it completely slipped my mind until today, um, which actually really this whole weekend is a huge weekend in baseball because today, uh, which is Saturday, yesterday, if you're listening to this, um, Tim Kirkchamp was inducted into Cooperstown and for his career excellence award. So third base dugout alum, we now have a Hall of Famer in uh, the our alumni for the show. But um, congratulations to Tim. Um, great friend of mine, just uh, a mentor, and um, no one ever has a bad word to say about Tim Kirchner, which is a great thing. Um, I will still never forget that he believes that Joey Votto is the most overrated, or excuse me, underrated baseball player of all time. Um, but that's a story for another day. But uh, so now tomorrow, though, Shelly, big day for you. David Ortiz gets into the Hall of Fame. I will be wearing my Red Sox. David Ortiz jersey all day tomorrow. I just want that to be very clear. Uh, this is a big day. You know, he's my favorite player of all time. I mean, nobody more deserving to get the Hall of Fame than Big Poppy. Like, the, what what Big Poppy meant to to the Red Sox organization, the city of Boston. Like, I don't think a lot of players have had quite the same impact. This and obviously, is guys have. City. I hope he says that during the speech. If he drop if he drops that, I mean, he has to because I mean that is one of the most iconic speeches in baseball history, right up there with the the uh, the Lou Gehrig speech. You know, I'm yeah, I'm gonna, beg, I'm, I'm gonna beg to say that uh, the Lou Gehrig speech is a little bit more iconic than I don't know. Did he come after a massive tragedy? No, it just came after he was diagnosed with ALS. So you know, so it actually sick. came really before a massive tragedy. That's fair, but and could you imagine the foresight? Did, they, did the Yankees win the World Series that year? Or a tragedy? That is fair. He did predict. Well, all right. Now we're getting. We're getting yeah. Some now, now, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I should probably just calm that, calm that road down. Um, but yeah, so awesome stuff. We'll kind of recap that a little bit. Um, I won't be watching the ceremony unfortunately because um, I will be moving. So well, I will also not be watching because I will also be helping if you move. <laughs> so yeah, we might be able to try to look it up somewhere if we can. We will figure it out. That's what that's yeah. what we'll do. Yeah. Um, and I will still continue to vow that my first time going up to Cooperstown will be when Mickey gets in. So um I've got yeah, a I'm kind of, kind of to wait on that one. 
I missed my shot because I would have had to drive up there today. Yeah, correct. But correct. Um, yeah. I have gotten a lot from a lot of sources. It is a must go. Yeah. So, um, anyways, let's move into the talks that are completely. Um, the word that I'm looking for taking over the baseball world right now in the media world. Uh, so the nationals have started to discuss trade options for Juan Soto. And we talked about this at some point uh, about a month or so month and a half ago. And now it's actually coming real. So we don't know if they'll definitely trade him. Mike doesn't think so, but um, I won't spoil that too much. But the, there are a lot of teams already fielding offers, and Nationals seem to be listening. But they've got a high asking price, rightfully so. He's a future Hall of Famer at 23 years old, from arguably the best pure hitter in baseball. And so, I mean, I think if we can get a couple more stars to go on the move, this could be the biggest trade deadline in maybe professional sports history. If Juan Soto is able to be moved and get the return that he probably the Nationals should get for him. Might be the biggest trade at the trade deadline. In, in I, I could see it honestly being a multiple team trade. It being so big. That would be wild. I would don't rule that out. I don't think it's going to be your traditional swap. I think this is going to be this one's going to alter the baseball landscape if it is able to get through. I don't think it will because I, I don't think anyone's going to want to meet the demands that the Nats are probably fielding. And on top of that, if Juan Soto doesn't get traded, there is a chance that he comes back because the team is for sale. And apparently the buyer that is potentially going to buy the team, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. Is he it is, Bezos anymore? Wasn't Bezos trying to buy it at some point? It's not Bezos. It's somebody else, another billionaire guy. Uh, they're all building. number one priority would be to re-sign Juan Soto to whatever he wants is the rumblings through Twitter. So take that for what you will, but I mean, he's going to get paid next this, this offseason. That's, that's, that's kind of, that's not a hot take, but I, I, I don't think he gets moved. I don't think anybody's going to be able to be, meet the demands. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of hoping that they do selfishly. Because I mean, yeah, from like a a talking talking head standpoint, hundred percent. But um, the the destinations that I'm seeing are kind of mind blowing when I think about it. Um, and Mike, I think you asked the question in our group chat about where do we think he'll end up, and we all three gave three different answers. Um, Shelly, I can't remember where you said he would end up. Um, I originally said the Padres because I think they have the farm system. Well, I said Boston. To do it, did you? Yeah, that was just selfish. Well, selfish. I think after losing 28 to 5 yesterday, I don't think. We need them. Boston will uh, indulge in a one set of trade. We have money now. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've got about three other teams in your division that would get Juan Soto before you do. Two. You think you think Toronto or you think uh you think Tampa Bay is gonna trade for Juan Soto? You're tripping. Fair enough. The crazy part is though, is that I could see them making 
a play for him because they were willing to go out there. They do. And they were willing to go out there for Freddie Freeman recently. So I think that you're starting to see as, as frugal as they are, I think that they'll spend the money when it makes the most sense. Like if you honestly think about it, who have their guys, I guess we like the running joke with them has always been that where they don't pay for their own guys, you know, to stay. But honestly, who have they had that you were like, oh, that would have made sense to shell out this amount of money? Like as far as superstar wise, the only one that really kind of comes to mind is Levin Longoria. But at least for what they got from him, it made sense as to why they didn't resign or why they even traded him. Um, I could see them making that play and signing Soto to a deal that he finds, you know, acceptable. Um, so no free promo, but I was listening to a different podcast with um, Joel Sherman and a couple other MOV guys, and they had Scott Boris on. The uh, biggest, yeah, it was. Um, it's called the show, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, with uh, John Hyman as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the biggest knock that that I took from it with uh, Boris wasn't the years, but it was the AAV. Yeah. Yeah, that he would have been like out. Rather embarrassing. Yeah. You know, so they probably could have threw him shorter years and run the same money and he probably would have signed, you know, because his AAV would have been, you know, in the ballpark of a a team like that. Um, But yes, I'm more pessimistic than optimistic. And I say that, but like I check my phone every few minutes to see if it's actually going to (laughs) happen. But I, a player of this magnitude is not, in my opinion, somebody that you can trade at the trade deadline. Like this is a winter meetings type of deal. And I, or at least I say, if you would have had these conversations maybe since the beginning of spring training and he denied an extension, now you have four or five months to really kind of lay the groundwork for, for a trade, you know, at the trade deadline. But for the Nats to get stuff comparable, I think that this is it's going to be impossible. Yeah, I mean, but okay, so yes, comparable is going to be pretty much impossible, but at least adequate return on at least stuff that you can bank on, right? Or at least try to put your hope in, whether it's, you know, four or five prospects plus some draft picks plus this. Like, you got to kind of see that full picture. But here's where the draft picks kind of lose their luster because you got to look at it if you're trading him, if it, especially if you're trading him to a contender that's willing to give up all of that, that first round pick really doesn't mean much. Yeah. Because it's going to be late, you know, in the first round. So it's not like, you know, that draft pick's really going to hold a lot of stock. And plus we've all seen in baseball that sometimes it's not the first round draft pick guy that ends up being the best one coming through your system. Sometimes it's your seventh, 10th round guy. Um, you know, but like I said, I'm, I'm not, completely sold that he will be moved. Um, but Brian, you were making the point about the three different teams or the different teams that were mentioned, you know, through that. Yeah. I, I, I actually have a sleeper team that I think could make a, that I think might surprise us come August 2nd. I think the Toronto Blue Jays get him. Oh, man. 
hate to hate to and agree I think the that. centerpieces of that deal aren't even going to be prospects. I think it's going to be Kevin Biggio and Lourdes Gurriel, and then they're going to give the one and two prospects. Kevin Biggio is a former top prospect. Yeah, but you and and what is he doing rotting in Toronto right now? He would be so much better being a everyday second baseman for the Washington Nationals. Part of that, though, is that he kind of played himself out of that role. He kind of played himself out of that role. You know what I mean? So where he was supposed to be the second baseman of the future, even if you go back to last year, last offseason, if the Blue Jays had that much confidence in him, they don't go get Simeon. You know, so like he's kind of played himself out of that. Um, Guriel would obviously be a good piece of it. Um, but then you also throw in uh, Jordan Groshans would be going in that and someone else, you know, at least at least I a couple other. I think that maybe Nate Pearson might be going. Yeah. Um, and I can see them making making a pitch for Gabriel Moreno, because if you got Alejandro Kirk, Danny Jansen, and they're running like a three-man catcher rotation at one point. Jansen's going to be gone at the deadline, and Moreno will come up. I think I think Jansen's going to go get a starting job somewhere. Yeah, but I think that if you want, um, if you want Soto, you're probably going to hold to Jansen as your backup because Moreno's probably going to be gone. The only thing that kind of makes you falter at that a little bit is that literally just last trade deadline the Nats traded for Kiba Ruiz, who was a top prospect and highly touted from the Nationals. So unless you're going to move him to like first or third, um, which first base is probably more realistic because Josh Bell will be gone, um, you know, then what is your purpose for a Gabriel Moreno, you know, at that point? Um, I truly think the deal with the Blue Jays would look like this. And I will, I, I will, I will indulge you and I will take Kevin Vigio out of it. I think it's going to be two big league guys and two prospects. I think it's going to be Lourdes Gurriel and Nate Pearson as your two big league guys. Maybe you can add in Julian Merriweather in that too. Hard throwing righty, um, pretty young still. But the two um, guys I think they would get back in prospects would be Aurelvis Martinez and Jordan Groshans. I think they would try to grab those two as a middle infield combo. And at the end of the day, I mean, they're two prospects that are very highly touted in that system. And why the heck wouldn't you want Juan Soto and Vlad Jr. to be playing on the same team? That'd be so much fun. I would give up my entire – I would literally just cut all my minor league teams and just give them to the Washington Nationals for Juan Soto. Yeah. Okay, so let's say you make that move, right? Let's, let's just kind of take this one for what it is. Um, you say Goriel, Pearson, Groshans, Martinez, yeah. plus you're probably gonna throw in a couple other comp like comp comp stuff, right? Biggio will probably still be in that deal. Maybe. I don't know. I really don't know. Does what that do you think that, that puts them over the top in the AL East? Or does that make them a play like it's a bona fide play them as a playoff team? I think I, I, mean, I think that's what you're playing for right now they, at this point, right? They view the AL East as out of reach. They, are, they want to just be at the top of that wild card spot. And you think that that puts them there? Yes. And I think it very much allows them to at least compete with the Yankees in the first round. 
I would so agree. Which... I, I truly, if with Kevin Gossman being as good as he's been here recently, um, they can go and get um, a starting pitcher if they are willing to give up Gabriel Moreno with Jansen and Kirk back there because both of those catchers are young too. If they're willing to give up Gabriel Moreno, they can go get a very high-level starting pitcher as well. So, or a reliever. I mean, they don't have to give up Moreno for a reliever, but if, if they want pitching help, they can still go get it if they do this Soto trade. Their lineup will be the best lineup in baseball if they go get one Soto. And you cannot tell me otherwise. No, I mean, I can... Now, I where can, they will falter, though, is that they will give up about eight runs a game. Yeah. Where... And they'll be, their, their farm system will be set back about five years. Yeah, but once I was there for 15, so I don't really care. Kind of poking, poking some holes in that. I don't know. I, I, I see their offense, but it's still been very inconsistent and actually one of your more consistent hitters has been Gurriel. I mean, granted, yes. If you line them up beside each other, you would take um, Soto over Gurriel 10 times out of 10. Um, But to me, it's... I I don't have a shot. I I guess if I don't have a shot at the the division, I don't know if I make that move. Can I indulge you for a second? Sure. Are you aware that the Toronto Blue Jays lead the entire Major League Baseball batting average fourth in runs? Um, They are fifth in home runs. They already might have the best offense in baseball. But the reason they don't win games is because their pitching is dog shit. Right. So So go get Juan Soto. You'll score a lot more runs than the other teams. Yeah, you you're not fixing you're not addressing the problem no like so so here's my thing here's my thing yes it's flashy and it'll be fun to have the name there you know and obviously what what he'll do production wise but i'm if i'm a gm i don't know if i can make that move just to fight for a wild card spot this year because wild cards can be so unpredictable like granted yes they changed the format where it's best out of three and it's not just the one game you know, playoff end anymore. But if I've already got that offense and it's that stacked, I don't know if I want to not address, you know, pitching that can help me to where when my offense doesn't have to score eight, nine runs a game for us to win. And you also got to think when you get to playoff baseball, like you're facing their top three guys. Like there's no way around that. You're facing whatever team in that playoff, you're facing their top three guys. And playoff hitting is different than regular season hitting. We've seen it with the Yankees in the past who've had this crazy offense, but they get to the playoffs and it stalls out because now they're more keyed in on as far as scouting. And you're also not going to bring out some of your lesser relievers, you know, to throw at that point. Um, So again, I, I don't know. Again, to me, if I'm making this move, this is a division winning type of move and potentially World Series run move, I'm not doing it to just chance it with getting to the wild card. Now, if you say he's not moved and I have a chance to get him going into a full next season, absolutely. I jump all over that. This will be my last rebuttal. 
So if you go get Juan Soto, you immediately be probably become the best offense in baseball. And considering you have two of the best peer hitters in baseball in the same lineup, probably batting back to back, which would be a little bit unfortunate for other teams. Um, but the Blue Jays are about our 10th to 15th in just about every single pitching category. So that's actually technically top half in the league, which is solid. Really not sure why they weren't winning games with their stats the way that they are, but you have to imagine that, 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 that the curve will flatten eventually and they will start to win the games that they're supposed to. But like I said, though, you can still go get pitching if you get Juan Soto because you can get these rental guys because you're not paying Juan Soto anything right now. You're, you're, he's making next to, I mean, I wouldn't say next to nothing. He's still making like 19 million a year, but he's not making that big contract until this contract is up at the end of 2023. So you have him for a year and a half where you can go and buy these pitchers, go get a one-year contract for a pitcher in the free agent market next year. You can maybe try to win a World Series next year. You can even try to win a World Series this year if you just try to build that pitching staff up a little more. It really is. It's not even the starting rotation anymore. It's, it truly is the bullpen. So Barrios has, hasn't been great, but Gossman, a true number one. Um, Alec Manoa, a true number one. Those two guys I'll put up against almost anybody in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and in the third game, just grab you. You just better hope you score 10 runs. Like, And that's it. <laughs> to me, that's a dangerous crapshoot to take. Like, I, I would I, rather the Blue Jays line up to do that than anyone else's in baseball, though. Now, I mean, I, I get it, and it's I'm not saying that I'm – Look, I will take the Blue Jays up against Nestor Cortez any day of the week, twice on Sunday. No, absolutely. But it's – There's your game three. Or is that your game three though? Maybe because not. you're not you're, you're not playing them in the first round. They're they're looking at a first round bye. Even better, what team has a better pitching staff than the Yankees? One through three. I don't know. To me, it's just too much of a crapshoot though. To if if I'm going just for a wild card spot, like I have to be in a position where I'm thinking division. And World Series, because what we're also overlooking is, is yes, you get Soto for this year and next year. But at that point, you now have to convince him to stay. He doesn't strike me and Scott Boris isn't striking me as they're going to take an early extension on him. Unless it's something that is absolutely astronomical. That is the only way I think that they sign an extension before he hits unrestricted free agency. So now, like I said, I don't know. It's just, I get it. It makes sense. It's sexy to say, you know, it's about as good as looking at it, you know, from a Padre standpoint, that's another team that could, you know, throw their name in there. But again, I think that this is a type of move that is best served to be made at winter meetings where, you know, you have a full season of him or you're preparing for a full season. Then that way you can flesh out the rest of your rosters because it's not like you can just trade your crap for other people's treasure like they're not just going to give you somebody so now you're going to have to move some pieces and who's to say that that piece that you have to move to go get either another starting pitch or another bullpen piece isn't someone that turns out that could be very vital for your playoff run or has been successful for you and they're like okay cool right like 
So again, I, I see it. I think it'd be cool. I don't know which one I would like to like, which one would be more fun. Send me in and line up with Vlad or send me in and line up with, with Fernando. Um, but I, I don't know. I just don't see him getting moved. And if so. And MVP caliber Machado added, added in. Yeah. Um, but again, like I said, it's both of those teams to me are. So one, we know the Blue Jays are no longer looking at the division for all intended purposes, right? Yeah, you wouldn't think. The Padres are somewhat in that same realm because the Dodgers went on a crazy run right before the All-Star break to put some space there. Um, so, again, you're chanting all of this for a wild card berth, you know, that doesn't guarantee you much, you know, besides three games. And if you come in, if, if I'm not mistaken, the higher seed hosts all three games, you know, so you plan those three games on the road. It's not like a home away home, like a home away home. It's top seed gets all three, you know, at home. So There's now we also, I, I can't remember how this, how this playoff format yeah. is. So it's the, it's the three, it's the three additional teams, you know, added in to the original, like whatever it was. Right. But the top two seeds or the top two records in, in the American league, for example, since we were talking that one, those two teams get a bye. So now the remaining teams have to play each other, but it's in a wild card round of some other teams. So they're playing three games. Uh, the higher seed hosts all three, and then it moves to your normal divisional round. I don't know. To me, that's a, I would much rather be in that position. Or I, I say, I say that with the standpoint of if I am going to make that to make a wild card run or for that first round, I got to make sure I'm in a position that I'm hosting that first round. That's the only way that that move makes sense to me. I'm not doing it just to kind of skate in and be like, oh, well, we got Soto, but yet we're on the road having to face somebody, you know, well, at home three times. If you ask me, at least, I think Juan Soto only solidifies them as the number one wild card, at least in my opinion. I mean, Tampa Bay is a half a game above them. And what is Tampa Bay going to do at the deadline? Probably nothing. Um, so, I mean, the Mariners will always do something. It's Jerry DePoto. Yeah, they will. Um, they, I, I told my uncle today, we were riding in the car, he had asked me about the trade deadline and stuff. I said, if you want to just laugh a little bit, go to the Mariners transaction page on August 3rd. Yeah, when it pops it's up. It's going to be a circus. It's going to be a circus now that they're in the wild card mix. They're going <laughs> to pop up with the Juan Soto. Like they're gonna trade, they are, him, they, probably they get him back, trade him in another trade, and then probably get him back <laughs> all on the same day, and still come out with like the top form system. That like that would be a, a sleeper team that I would throw out there in like Seattle. Yeah, Seattle would be. I just don't know if they have it though. I don't know if they would. I again, I it's Jerry. That. It's Jerry we're talking about, and I okay. So I also say this in any trade, you also have to look at potential adjustment, like period. It will be tougher for granted. We're also talking about once or yes, he's arguably the best hitter on the planet, but it's still going to be adjustment to parks and all that other stuff. I think that adjustment becomes easier in the AL West as opposed to the AL East. That is a tougher adjustment you know, to, to kind of go through. So I think if he goes to the AL West, we're really, you know, like, you know, that you're fighting uphill to try to catch the Astros. But other than that, he gets a chance to kind of settle in by feasting on the Angels, the A's, um, who else is out there in that division? 
Angels, uh, A's, Rangers, Rangers. The range, the out. This is all set up for the Rangers to be the one that ends up with Juan Soto, isn't it? I really hope not. Another win now move, and Kumar Riker starts game three of the wild card. And... No, they're not even going to make the wild card. <laughs> yeah, but this is this is a Texas this is a Texas Rangers type of trade right here. They trade away everybody that's that Kumar Jack Leiter get traded for Juan Soto. No, you know what this is? This this smells like Max Scherzer from last year. The Padres are in, 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 in. They have the trade lined up. Oh, shit, here come the Dodgers. Top five prospects going back to the Nationals. Juan Soto is all of a sudden a Dodger. They go to the World Series and they lose in four straight games. But the other thing that you also have to factor in into this deal is, at least what I've been seeing, that the Nats – are adamant about whoever gets Soto has to take on Patrick Corbin's contract as well. I would love for the I would because they're trying to dump like they're trying to dump his salary. No, what the, what they would do is I mean the uh, Dodgers would do that trade, take Patrick Corbin, and just DFA him. Yeah, no, I get it, but that either way, that money still stays on your books unless you work out a buyout with him. Unless somebody picks him up. Yeah, but nobody's gonna pick him up. Or they move him to the bullpen and he becomes an elite reliever. And then all of a sudden we're like, wait, Patrick Corbin was good this whole time. That would be the right. most Dodgers thing to happen in the world. But I, I will throw my sleep right there. And obviously we'll dive more into it next week because he's going to, basically this is going to hijack the deadline until it happens. Yep. Um, Seattle would be my sleeper. Seattle would be my sleeper. Um, I think that they're starting to really kind of see the finish line as far as making the playoffs. And for them, that's one franchise that I would say kind of goes against that rule I made before of doing it just to get there. Them doing it just to get there makes sense. So I could see them making that move. Um, Plus, the ALS is going to be a lot easier with the fact that uh, the Angels might as well go ahead and trade Otani while they can. That actually brings me into the next thing that I wanted to talk about. Did not know that was the next place. Look at that beautiful segment. I I just thought about it about about two minutes ago. Um, We have about 10 minutes left um, for my target time for this episode. Um, On MLB Network, they said that a bold prediction was that Shohei Otani is traded to the Braves. Is that even remotely realistic? Like, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but, like, is that even remotely realistic that they would just trade him at the deadline? I think this is even more, like, more of a winter meetings type thing than Juan Soto. Like, yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he gets moved at the deadline. There is no chance that Shohei Otani gets moved to the deadline. No chance. Zero. I say the chance is it's not a non-zero. I give it, like, a 2% chance. I think if somebody and comes then, in with the right – Offer apparently, like, apparently, like 10 teams have called the Angels about Otani, yeah. and, and they're just like, Yeah, we're not moving him. But if he, I think, if he gets to a point where he says, Enough is enough, like, let me out, I think he's too nice of a guy. I think, he, I think he's just happy being where he's at. His people, probably... but I don't, I don't, though, because he's made the comment, even when they talk extension stuff before this year, at least the reports we had seen was. I, I just want to win. I just want to win. And literally, and like I, I was watching a pitch the other night, and that's when I text you guys, yeah, hey, you know, he's a pretty good pitcher. Like saying that jokingly, 
but literally what else can the guy do right like the last you know there was a stretch where the only games that the angels won were ones that he pitched in but he has to pitch and hit in all those games like that can get that can get overwhelming for anybody you know and him just saying hey look man like i'm I'm ready to go. Get me out of here, or I'm not signing an extension. Then I don't think that the Angels wait that long before they try to move him because every team will be blowing up their phone saying, Hey, this is my offer. If any two teams, if any two players can command where a front office says, Here's my price, I'm not budging from it, it would be Soto and Otani, and teams are going to meet that. I just teams are gonna meet it. I don't think teams can get the package together for this trade deadline for Otani. That, cra- that might be a bigger package than Juan Soto would get. The crazy I'm thing sure. is, is I believe that everybody has like a little like hidden compartment on their board. <laughs> like they, they got like this secret breaking case, breaking case of emergency type of trade package. To trade for Otani. <laughs> yes, this is what we would like, and I think that they would already have it you know, lined up to say, hey, this is what we're comfortable enough giving up to get Otani. I think, like, every team has that thought in their mind of, if this player becomes available, what will we give up for? Trade the trademark of your logo. Yeah. Your entire brand to go get Otani. And they become the Otanis. Fighting Otanis. I would officially have to make him the logo. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's all I really got on Otani, unless you guys got any more. No, I mean, he'll, he'll still be an angel by this trade deadline. However, winter meetings will be very, very interesting for them. Uh, it's another great free agent class coming up. And with yeah. a great free agent class, it means a great trade deadline ahead of it because that's a lot of rentals. Yeah. Wilson Contreras will be on the move, and I will promise you that in two weeks, he will be a New York man. I'm going to hold you to that one. Okay. By the way, the Mets traded for Daniel Vogelbach, so that's fun. They make the Mets a little more enjoyable um, because who doesn't love no. that guy hitting tanks all the time? Right. They should have traded. <laughs> the Pir- so much to love him. about Daniel Vogelbach. The Pirates should have traded him to, uh, to Toronto and let him hit in front of or behind Alejandro Kirk. And put Vladdy on the other side. It's just like, three fat guys in the order. <laughs> both of them hit like three hundred. It would definitely be the heaviest lineup in baseball. Yeah. Like, then, then trade for Rowdy Telez and put him in front of them. <laughs> and they get like it would take like four hits to get them in because like both of them would rip, you know, three hundred and seventy-five foot singles. <laughs> yeah. We need oxygen tanks at each base. Ooh, get El Tortuga out out there too. Yes. Millions has to be. The craziest part about. Vogelbach, like just from seeing him play the last few years, like you know you're a big dude when you can't even find batting gloves that you can strap all the way up. Like Bro, he, he might as well bat like with no batting gloves. I have never seen someone's forearms and neck be so large. Oh, I have like, you, like just look at his like any like any picture of Daniel Vogelbach, and his forearms are like three times three times the size of my head, and I'm pretty sure that his neck is wider than his head. Like, I don't think I've ever seen that from somebody. I'm pretty sure his neck is here, and then it shrinks up to his head rather than the other way around. He is this dude, definitely dude, one massive human. I, I love I love that he was on the Pirates because he was, he was so mediocre that he was batting leadoff for them. 
<laughs> it's like it's like you have a guy that's like 315 pounds batting lead off for you. Starting like 220 with like 10 tanks. It's gonna get better, Pittsburgh. Maybe. I love it, man. I love it. I love it. But uh I hope we get to see Daniel Vogelbach in the playoffs. And I mean it's almost all but a sure bet that the Mets will probably make the playoffs. Um but like, I don't know. I know they are the Mets. This, they are the Mets this, uh, right out of the All Star breaks. So we'll see. But um, either way, I, I, really are getting hope, close. I really do hope we see Daniel Vogelbach in the playoffs, just so he can just hit a monster tank, and he will be a legend somewhere forever. The Mets are only a half game up on the Braves. Yeah, yeah. Mets lost tonight. Braves won. Braves should go for a sweep against uh, LA tonight or tomorrow night. Tomorrow afternoon, whatever. And San Diego, we're looking for the sweep against the Mets. The Mets are going to make, guys. I don't know. We'll see. We will see. I I think it's new ownership, man. Stevie Cohen is willing to – Don't worry, man. The Wilpons still have their greasy hands all over that team. They're still cursed. Always. Always. Well, gents, um, that's all I've got for this episode. You guys got any final thoughts? Um. Um, the Red Sox stink. I don't even want to hear about it. We can say that about 27 more times. (laughs) Sydney Sweeney's fault. I don't know who she is, but it's her fault. There's there's a new curse in Boston. (laughs) I was told that she was in a show called Euphoria. I have not seen that show, so I can't speak on that. She's still at the first pitch, and we lost 27 to 4. So, 28 to we five. We didn't lose 27 yeah. to four before she showed up. 28 to five, but yeah. Should have had Zendaya throw it out. You gave up four won. touchdowns in a baseball game. Yeah. Okay. We got two safeties. We're playing that game. I'm pretty sure Georgia didn't give up four touchdowns in a game all season. You gave up four touchdowns in a baseball game. But we did block an extra point. Okay, so wait. I, no, 28 okay. to five. So no, you didn't. So. Shelly, I need this. I need this on on air. What was your reaction to Duran when he didn't? So not only losing the ball, like that's understandable, but like his effort afterwards. Send him down to Triple A. But he didn't get pulled from the game. He didn't even get pulled from the game. That's Alex Cora not managing the clubhouse. Well, I mean, if you watch that whole game, they literally just forgot how to play baseball. I think they had like three infield pop-ups that they just let drop. And there was like one of them where I think it was like to the pitcher and the catcher and third baseman all converged. It literally just, and they just stood there and they watched it fall. And then Duran, you know, loses the ball in the lights, which I get, you know, that, that happens. That is what it is. But to literally just stand there and just start walking to the ball while, while the guy's hauling ass around the base paths, letting your left fielder be the one to go get it. When you are closer to the ball, now, granted, I don't know how far in he was. You can't really – I mean, you could tell that he was close enough to the track where he probably should have. But, like, you, didn't, you don't see where the left fielder is or anything like that. But, like, it, it was the whole walking to the ball was just like, come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad luck. Like, what are you doing? Bad luck. Like, by the way, that, walk, that uh, inside the park grand slam, um, did Blue Jays AAA team, Buffalo, also hit an inside the park grand slam tonight? So that has to be the first time it's ever been done in Major League history of the big league club and the AAA club hitting inside the park grand slams on back-to-back nights. 
I would assume so. That's a very oddly specific thing, but I mean, they'd be very cool to say that on air, and I now just own credit for finding that stat. You know, I, I agree. It's rare rarity. That's but, a uh, grand slam. Like, that doesn't mean it's a very rare thing anyway. It's actually been done twice in Blue Jays history. Really? Yes. Uh, I, I found that. One sec. Uh, yes. Uh, Ryan Tapia hit the second inside the park grand slam in Blue Jays history. Who, who hit the other one? Junior Felix on June 2nd, 1989 at oh, Fenway Junior. Park. Junior at, hit it? At Fenway Park. Fenway's a sneaky inside the park home run type of park. Let's be real. That should be an error because J- Jaron Duran's effort. <laughs> oh, uh, nah. I'm, uh, you know what? We don't even have time for my bone to pick. So we'll save it for another day. <laughs> but yeah, uh, final thought, man. Um, this is like the most exciting time. And also the most nerve-wracking time because literally every time that I open my phone, I go straight to the Bleacher Report app just to see what else is going on, uh, which is only going to intensify um, next week and carry over until August 2nd. Um, Mike, Mike, you don't go to the Bleacher Report app. You go to the third base dugout Twitter. That is true. I go there too. I go there first and then come back to – Bleacher Report. Just to confirm that. Arsenal yeah, just can, yeah, confirm what we'd already put up was, was yeah. true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, nah, so like, you know, it's going to be definitely have to keep my phone charged and going back to work next week after being on vacation. Like, I'm hoping that my customers understand that, you know, there's some possible trade stuff going on. Priorities. Yeah, you know, like, I can only imagine my reaction if it happened. Like, let's say, for example, that he does get traded to the Cardinals, which I absolutely think is not going to happen. But if he gets traded there, like, while I'm with a customer, I'm probably going to have a complaint filed against me. Just because I'm probably going to lose my excitement. I think I'm going to be, like, so excited about their stuff. No, this has nothing to do with you. Stop being selfish, people. This has everything to do with (laughs) this alert that just came through on my phone. You aren't special. (laughs) No, no, no. Like, let's stop being selfish here you're gonna look you know, at your customer and be like yeah sorry hold on once i gotta go to the bathroom go to the bathroom yeah. <laughs> yeah that's all you're gonna hear you gotta hear me yelling from the bathroom and I'm like is everything okay yeah um it wouldn't be words either It'd just be screaming it would be like and it would make a lot of people nervous <laughs> a lot of people but then you gotta walk uh, out you walk out everyone just nothing happened yeah, okay so where were we sure absolutely yeah i could do that i could do that uh, <laughs> but now um Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose, and go cards. Uh, there was one more thing that I had to say. Dang it, I did my sign off, Brian. I know you did. Come on, man. Um, be ready for next episode, though. Trade deadline preview. Fun stuff. So we'll see y'all next week. Clear eyes, full hearts. Tigers always lose. <laughs>